from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. This week, we're going to be talking all about technology in San Antonio. Some of that's going to cover cyber companies, uh, but we may even delve into biotech or some other areas that our guest uh, happens to know quite a bit about uh, through her work. Iris, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on the show, Brett. Yeah, so can you uh, share a little bit of your background and uh, what we're going to talk about today? Uh, Well, I've spent the last two years in almost 200 stories uh, writing about uh, technology, IT, cybersecurity, and uh, bioscience for the Rivard Report. Rivard Report, if you don't already read it, I hope you do. It's a uh, free, online, independent uh, news source, and we focus on everything that is unique about San Antonio. Yeah. So if if you wanted to learn uh, about what's going on in San Antonio, there's how many uh, reporters now at Rivard covering everything from tech and and education to that we talk about here quite a bit, but all all across all the areas of news. We're a small but nimble staff and we're growing. Yeah, you're you're outgrowing your space. The the Rivard report also happens to be uh, the neighbors here to uh, CyberTalk Radio, uh, downtown in the the tech district right now. Indeed, we are, and uh, because of San Antonio's unique position with so many of these vibrant sectors, uh, my particular interest has always been in the nerdy topics. So I cover all of those. Yeah. So covering things in San Antonio, you'll see the kind of government cutting edge, private sector cutting edge. What are, uh, as you are out there uh, going through uh, meeting with folks and and learning what they're working on, uh, what are some of the things you're uncovering uh, lately that would be of interest to our listeners? Well, what I would say is that, you know, San Antonio has some unique strengths as a city. Um, and if you think about what the largest industry sector here in San Antonio is, what would people say? What would they think? What would you think is number one? Yeah. I mean, I think most people think tourism, but that's not going to be the answer, is it? No, it is not the answer at all. And in fact, the, uh, the number one is military at 48.7 billion with a B dollars. And that's, uh, from the San Antonio Economic uh, Development Foundation data. The number two is bioscience at $37 billion. And a lot of that bioscience, remarkably, we're seeing a lot of biotech that's being developed out of that space. Uh, And then after that, you're going to see a lot of the military uh, being able to provide not only bio uh, expertise, but a lot of cybersecurity experts. We have a uh, concentration of active duty members at the port and near the port. 
Yeah, there's the the 24th and 25th Air Force. For those uh, new to listening to CyberTalk Radio, we've had um, some of the personnel on from over there. You can look up our past episodes on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, yeah, so we've a lot of military cyber here. There's also NSA Texas, which I find it, it amusing uh, in these days. So, so you can go on to Google Maps or anything else, and you can type in NSA Texas. And they'll tell you right where the building is. Uh, so the, the days of secrets are, are much harder to keep uh, now than they may have been uh, back in the, the past. True. And, you know, when we're talking about what tech is going on here in San Antonio, uh, I see a lot of innovation happening. Um, if you look at the areas of interest that are going to impact all of our lives, uh, I looked at the World Economic Forum. They surveyed over 800 experts and executives, and they came up with a pretty concise list of like the top seven technologies that will have the widest impact on our lives by 2030, which is not that far away. The list is in order of their ranking uh, artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, robots, 3D printing, innovations in mobile phones, because of course we can't live without them now, autonomous vehicles, and the Internet and cloud computing. And I can tell you, I see talent across all those areas here in San Antonio. Yeah, Apple released um, some numbers I was reading uh, over the weekend. Uh, 80 times per day, the uh, uh, iPhone user opens up their iPhone now. So uh, if you think about that, and if, even if you just spent uh, three minutes each time, uh, you're talking four hours a day looking at your iPhone. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, that mobile phone has become not just a phone. I think most people don't use it for phone calls anymore. They now use it for um, everything else. All of those things we used to carry around. We used to carry pocket calendars. We used to carry uh, thesaurus with us. We used to carry all sorts of things. And now all of that is in one little device in our pocket. So going up to that number one on the list, uh, artificial intelligence. So this is one we've had some some guests on talking about that and theorizing about where that's going uh, in the cybersecurity world. That as you're out um, talking uh, to folks outside of the cyberspace, uh, how are they thinking about artificial intelligence? Well, you know, it all goes back to uh, looking and using uh, big sets of data. So whenever we start thinking back, when you look at all of the seven trends that I just mentioned, all of those require transmission of data, which what does that translate into? More of a need for cybersecurity. So with every innovation that comes out, you're going to need even more cybersecurity experts working, not just in the defensive operations that we see at the Cyber Command here in San Antonio, but out in industry. So if you come up with an IoT device, if it uses uh, an algorithm and has sets of data, you're gonna have to protect it. With um, with artificial intelligence, I mean, I see it in everything from easy expunctions. They looked at a traditional industry, legal, right, because they're a law firm, uh, people that have minor offenses that could be expunged from their records. Well, it turns out that law is binary. It, either you qualify for an expunction or you don't. And so they used this brilliant idea and they took tech, disrupted a traditional industry that doesn't necessarily use tech or is viewed as a tech industry and they developed you know artificial intelligence induced algorithms to look at the laws for each state and now if you get on their website you can 
type in your name and your personal information, and it will tell you very quickly if you qualify for an expunction, which is how they reduce the costs, and they're able to offer that as a service using technology as a as a way to disrupt this particular industry. I'm going to see, I'm telling him, seeing this in lots of different industries. Yeah, and this is one where the, the construction industry has been um, a, a real laggard in technology adoption. But as you go through all of those categories there, you've got artificial intelligence, Internet of Things, robots, self-driving or autonomous vehicles. Uh, all of those combined together, and all of a sudden you may be able to have, uh, at a certain extent, an autonomous construction site, probably not by 2030, but you start looking at, at all of those together and being able to to build things now will be something that um, can be done um, with a lot of technology aiding and embedding that process. Well, it's funny that you bring up you know autonomous vehicles, which of course appears on the list because San Antonio, again, we have unique strengths and we have Southwest Research Institute. I was just there last week interviewing the VP of uh, their autonomous vehicle program for a forthcoming story. And when it comes to specialized containered, uh, you know, containerized environments where you can control it and you don't have outside traffic, unpredictable elements, they're a lot closer than you might think, but you'll have to read the story to find out everything that I learned when I was there last week. Yeah, so you, you can find that online at Rivard Report, R-I-V-A-R-D-R-E-P-O-R-T.com or .org? You guys are maybe both. Well, it's .com, but we are a nonprofit now. Yeah, yeah. so, and, and yeah, with the Southwest Research here in San Antonio, they work on things all the way from autonomous vehicles over into um, the, the biotech and technology into those areas as well. Are you uh, covering anything else, or is this one specifically around the autonomous vehicles coming well, up? Well, this is the first story that I'll probably do for them. But uh, if you want an example of artificial intelligence and the use of algorithms and you know uh, large data sets in biotech, Medtronic, another San Antonio-grown company, has come out this year with the artificial pancreas. And they really don't like for you to call that. That's so, okay. We're not doctors I here, know, so exactly. we can call it something so, everyone can understand. But if you think about the uh, insulin pump that diabetics use, so it's a, a closed-loop system. But it's predictive, and so it learns what your personal highs and lows are throughout the day, tracks all that data, and then it becomes very skilled at being able to give you micro-dosing. So that's pretty revolutionary, and there's a good example of taking uh, something like artificial intelligence and applying it to what would not be considered an industry, you know, a traditional industry of medicine, but now applying it to that. So I would say um, the use of additive technologies where you take uh, one or two more, put them together, now you have a new use or a use that will take you to the next level. I think that's where we're seeing a lot of talent emerge in that space here. Yeah, and this is uh, with these uh, healthcare devices now using big data using these advanced algorithms um, and then making direct decisions of do I give insulin or do I not. Uh, it's one where the cybersecurity aspects become paramount. Uh, 
it's it's one thing to have a, a medical device that's running a diagnostic test and then you're still relying on a human to make the decision to administer medicine or not. But as soon as you uh, go fully autonomous effectively there and you allow the medical device to start administering uh, doses, then the, the security of it, uh, both from just a tampering with the algorithms uh, all the way through to uh, full direct hacking where somebody may override it and have it do something uh, completely out of line of what it was it's designed to do. Uh, th this is where the cybersecurity education and the cybersecurity workforce uh, really come in. And, and we've talked on CyberTalk Radio uh, quite a bit about the number of cybersecurity professionals here in San Antonio, uh, which can really help those biotech companies. Um, it, it's also one where there's even here in San Antonio a shortage. Yes, indeed. In fact, recently uh, I interviewed a uh, representative over at the Alamo um, Workforce Commission, and she told me a startling number. Uh, it's 1,700 data security analyst positions go unfilled just in the greater Alamo region alone. Yeah. That's every year. Yeah, I mean, I think nationwide, um, I'm hearing numbers in the hundreds of thousands of posted jobs right now that are not uh, getting filled. And really, I think there's also um, kind of just like with unemployment, there's the people that are actively looking for work. And then there's this kind of discouraged group of people behind them that aren't out there that should get counted that unemployment number. Same thing on this cybersecurity job piece. There's the hundreds of thousands of openings that are posted. There's many companies that would love to hire a cybersecurity professional. Uh, they just won't even bother with the job posting because they know they're not going to be able to find candidates. Right. I think the uh, just because I'm finishing up another story that uses this data, it's over 400,000 nationally. And that's current state need. Yeah. Of course, every time you come up with a new innovation, a new IoT device, a new you know tech gadget that needs to transmit data, you're going to need, it's just going to continue to grow that need for cybersecurity professionals. Yeah, and, and this is where if you're out there listening and you're in one of these other industries, uh, cybersecurity has been uh, tied into just the information technology infrastructure before, the computer networks, the computer servers, um, and kind of the back office of running businesses. But now technology is moving out into the front office of almost every company we're talking about here using um, artificial intelligence to help make um, legal decisions of should you be able to submit these forms and, and get it approved by the city or county or whoever needs to expunge that record. Um, so these legal decision making now is intersecting with technology and you need that domain expertise. Uh, this is one where the universities are starting to uh, do a good job of training cybersecurity professionals, but they're training them in the, the information technology area. Uh, and this is, if you're a student out there, I would encourage you to consider a minor in cybersecurity. If you're going into healthcare or one of these other areas, robotics, manufacturing, any of these, because um, that knowledge of how to keep the system safe and secure is going to be critical uh, to not just information technology, but every industry and that's a really good point to stress because when you look at San Antonio and the uh, players in the tech space, uh, they're not all traditional tech, pure tech companies. So, you know, people think of USAA as, well, they're an insurance company. They have a robust program on innovation and it, they're really, they consider themselves a tech company and they're working on blockchain. 
yeah. to see if they can introduce that not only to help secure uh, transactions, but because one of the possible applications of blockchain is cybersecurity. If you look at Capture RX, people think, well, that's a medical prescription company, but they developed a unique algorithm that allows them to, uh, to really identify deep savings for uh, Medicare drug programs for people and to try to get them the drugs at the lowest possible cost. They're doing extremely well because they've leveraged tech in a what used to be considered a traditional field, and now it's becoming a tech field. Yeah, that USA example, uh, the one I'd like to share with folks is if you have the mobile banking on your phone these days and you can take a picture of a check, um, USA invented that. That's also one that uses machine learning in it. So the reason why now when you take that picture of your check, even if the lighting's not very good or um, your check is a little bit of a different format, it's got cartoon characters in the background or whatever, it still can read and recognize all the numbers on there um, because feeding millions and millions of checks into that platform, they've been able to build something um, that they've licensed out to lots of other banks uh, at this point so that regardless of who you bank with you can do that mobile check depositing now almost um, I think everyone's got it rolled out at this point and that's a I'm glad you mentioned that example because that's a great example of additive use of technology for greater impact of innovation it's using the you know machine learning with mobile phones, right there you have two of your seven top trends that are going to be impacting everyone's lives and putting it together and now everyone uses it and they think, well, why didn't we do this before? Yeah. So if you think about some other local examples of innovators that are thinking about taking multiple technologies and you know, creating that additive effect for a greater impact of innovation. Uh, if you take robots, right, one of the top seven, and you include in sensor technology, the sensor technology that tells you where you are in space in 3D, which is the MEMS, M-E-M, sensors that are in your phone. It lets you know where you are on Houston Street. Uh, you combine those two together, and that's the GPS interior positioning robot of Point. If you take... IOT devices, right? And you take biosensors and you also add in, you know, patented Bluetooth uh, antenna, then you have together the wiseware, personal security, medical tracking, fitness, um, and safety jewelry. I mean, yeah. so I, I, more and more, I talk to more innovators that have these great ideas. They take one or more technologies and they try to address an unmet market need. Or they create one. Yeah, I mean, and this is, in many of these cases, as you start to look at these technological combinations, uh, where we're seeing um, the fact that you do have those thousands of researchers out at a place like Southwest Research here, um, which is more traditional than a PhD-style research think tank than it is um, technology startup. But you have those folks um, in a community interacting with uh, tech startup entrepreneur uh, DNA, and out of that, you you get things like what they're building over at Wiseware. Exactly. So, you know, we have the traditional sources of innovation and technology. Um, we have innovators that are using multiple t technologies in additive ways to come up with something new. Uh, then we have people who are early adopters or early spotters of emerging trends. For instance, financial technology. More and more, we're seeing technology being applied in the areas of finance, like the USAA example. Well, we have local 
you know, technology entrepreneurs who, for instance, the uh, winner from the uh, startup weekend at Geekdom earlier in October was FloatMe. It's a new way to do micro lending. And another company, Slidewave, uh, they are rolling out a new app that's called Tippery. And it's so that you can tip the bartender or entertainers, the band, in a situation where you have no cash. And these trends are, you know, entrepreneurs are identifying the emerging trend of cashless society. How many of us walk around with $20 bills in their wallet anymore? I know I have to make a conscious effort to get money because sometimes my kid needs money. Yeah. But... But in terms of, you know, being able to make the countless transactions in a given day, I use a card or I use my phone. And so you have now Slidewave coming out with Tippery so that it's a simple bartenders will have it. And you come up to the bar and you use the app and it gives them a tip or the float me because, hey, uh, I don't have any cash. Can you just like micro lending is just for a little short period of time. So yeah, the the only reason I carry cash these days, I think, is uh, the kids' lunches at school cafeterias are uh, those are one place where we will probably see technology innovation last. Will be the the high school cafeteria. Uh, so if you've uh, just joined us, we're not just talking about giving our kids lunch money in the high school cafeterias here. Uh, you're listening to Cyber Talk Radio on 1200 WAI. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Brett Pyatt. I'm joined this week by Iris Gonzalez of the Rivard Report. She covers uh, technology, uh, which covers both information technology, but uh, medical and all sorts of areas of innovation going on here in the San Antonio area. Uh, if you've uh, just turned on the radio dial right now uh, and you want to hear this complete discussion, uh, it will be posted online on Tuesday. Uh, after we air here on Saturday night. Um, you can also find the uh, rebroadcast and replay of all of our uh, programs on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com as well as on iTunes podcast, uh, that one of those tech trends right there, uh, the cell phones again, and uh, or if you're on an Android device, uh, Pocket Cast or um, pretty much any of your favorite podcasting apps for uh, an Android device. And then uh, if you're a teenager and you're listening, uh, we know you all love YouTube. Uh, we've seen these YouTube TVs here now watching the World Series. I suspect that uh, more adults are going to start using YouTube even uh, coming up soon. So uh, our content is also available there through our YouTube channel. Uh, you can keep up with uh, things going on uh, via our feed on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, so if you just look for Cyber Talk Radio, we're pretty easy to find. So, Iris, we've uh, gone through and talked uh, a good bit about uh, kind of what's going on here in San Antonio at a high level. I think uh, uh, after the news traffic and weather update at the bottom of the hour uh, would be good to talk about where these things are going on. And maybe if somebody uh, is listening here that wants to get involved in some of these areas, where are places either they could go now or what things are under construction um, that are going to help us evolve our, our tech community going forward? Uh, if you had a, a few uh, points to look at of what we covered for the first half of the program to recap it, what would you want people to take away from this? I would say that if you have an idea and if you are willing to do the hard work, you can be an innovative entrepreneur in San Antonio. I see three broad categories of, uh, of those kinds of people here, those creatives, uh, people who are using technology to disrupt traditional industries and come up with better ways of doing things. Uh, people who are looking at one or more key technologies and putting them together in innovative, additive ways to come up with 
new products, new services, new ways of doing things. And then those people who uh, identify emerging trends like cashless society and come up with a tech solution for that. Yeah. So at the start of our segment, you mentioned over the last couple of years, you've done 200 plus articles uh, on all of these things in San Antonio. Uh, So uh, what are your thoughts of folks that you you have written about maybe that we haven't mentioned yet? Or uh, what else is there coming up still? Well, you know, at the risk of going into an Oscar acceptance speech where there's no way you could possibly mention everybody and inevitably you forget the key people. Um, there are too many to mention in the time that we have. But what I do want to add in is that I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs that have a great idea and they're working on it. If you have the mad skills and you can survive on little sleep, you can work on this in your garage and come up with a great tech innovation that will, will do well. So I would say watch for new tech innovation coming online in San Antonio in the coming year or two. Yeah, I appreciate you not trying to do the full Oscar acceptance speech mode. And uh, for I was at an event recently here where the first award winner for the night uh, set the tone. And this is what happens at every event. So if you ever do win an award, please don't be the one that goes five to ten minutes long. Um, the event ran two hours over because then everyone else feels like they need to take the same amount of time to thank the same number of people. So uh, you can look up on Rivard Report and see all the great companies that Iris has written about. And you can also uh, follow her on there so you can see the new upcoming ones she mentioned that she may be writing about. Uh, we will be back here after a news traffic and weather update to talk about uh, all of the different places in San Antonio. Uh, where tech things are happening and where they are going to start happening here in the next few years as uh, some of them are under construction now. Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined uh, this week by Iris Gonzalez, who covers tech at the Rivard Report, which includes cybersecurity, biotech, and uh, all sorts of uh, cool technology things going on here across the city. If you missed uh, the first half of the program, uh, we covered uh, Iris's history at the Rivard Report, talked about uh, some high-level trends coming across uh, technology here over the the next decade that are really going to change the way things are going, uh, the importance of cybersecurity for those, and also uh, dove into a, a number of local uh, startups and uh, different things happening inside of uh, our community. If you uh, would like to hear that, uh, we will post the uh, rebroadcast of this online on our website on Tuesday uh, following this broadcast here on Saturday night. Uh, it'll be up at www.cybertalkradio.com. If you happen to be listening to that rebroadcast now, uh, thank you for finding us online. Uh, you can subscribe uh, to us uh, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, YouTube, uh, as well as uh, iTunes podcast or Pocket Cast for an Android device. So Uh, You can listen to this episode and uh, any of the other past ones where maybe we uh, dove into some of those trends around
on to Internet of Things or artificial intelligence and talked about uh, some of the cybersecurity aspects of uh, those top seven tech trends that uh, Iris mentioned uh, at the beginning of the program. Iris, we had said uh, here after the break uh, that we were going to talk about some of the different places in San Antonio where tech innovation is happening. Uh, one of those I heard you mention during the first half of the program briefly was Port San Antonio, uh, but that's not a place that ships pull into, is it? No, no, it's not. But, um, you know, before we kind of go into the the port and everything that it's doing, uh, you know, I'm sure your listeners know that cybersecurity unemployment is expected to stay at zero for a really long time because there's such a growing need for it. And you've done a great job of covering that in your past shows. Um, I wanted to talk first as an intro about a study that just came out in September. It's the cybersecurity as an engine for growth. They used three cities that are known for this as case studies, and San Antonio is one of the cities in the study. So if I can use that as a framework, then we can talk about different places like Port San Antonio because it was mentioned in the study. I like it. Uh, Great. Okay, so what they said is, you know, you need some key factors to be in place for a location to be considered as an engine for growth in cybersecurity. And the first one that they mention is proximity to government cybersecurity functions. That's Port San Antonio. That's the location of the U.S. Cyber Command and its proximity to Lackland Air Force Base and the cyber operations that are going on there as well. So having that provide San Antonio a unique advantage to leverage that for uh, more growth of jobs. And Port San Antonio is doing an excellent job of that. They have not only the cybersecurity aspect of it, but they also have advanced manufacturing. Uh, just last month, a new company, its Indian headquarters, uh, Indomim, opened up. And they use, it's, it's very high-tech, robotic, advanced manufacturing of uh, proprietary pieces. So the port has excess capacity. They have a lot of room. They have a lot of unique uh, facilities like warehouses and runway space. They do a lot of avionics, advanced avionics repair. With the cybersecurity, uh, you have the command there. And then you have companies like Iomaxis and IP Secure that are located nearby so that they can service those government clients. Now, of uh, interest to your listeners, I have a story that I think by the time you're listening to the show, it should have come out on dynamic advancement. They just opened up at the port in May, and they opened up because they realized that there was this need to be on site uh, to help active duty service members that were currently cyber operators who were getting close to transitioning and retiring to help these soon-to-be vets get the cyber certifications so that then they can get jobs in the private sector as cyber experts or uh, doing tech work. Uh, So that's just to give you an example of how having that government uh, cybersecurity function at Port San Antonio is helping to drive that growth in jobs. Yeah, and and from a total cyber employment perspective, Uh, My understanding right now, San Antonio is number two uh, behind the greater Washington, D.C. metro area. Uh, so that proximity to government uh, ties into that. So with, with us being the, the second largest number, and we, we may have a higher percentage concentration than D.C. I haven't seen the numbers laid out that way, but that metro is maybe three times the size of the San Antonio metro. 
Well, and you know, the difficulty in quantifying the numbers of people in the cyber, uh, in, in the cyber workforce, whenever you're dealing with um, cyber operations in government, particularly in Department of Defense or NSA, they're classified. And so the workforce numbers also tend to be classified. Yeah. And for good reason. We don't want to let people know just how well we're doing in defending our country against cyber threats. Yeah, they, and that's one where they, they may, even if you were to sit outside of NSA Texas and count cars, they may not like you writing an article about that, even though you probably could go do it. They, they'll come to your car. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, we, we have had on uh, the Air Force Cyber Recruiter uh, on a past episode of Cyber Talk Radio, Tech Sergeant Diami Baker, and she did mention uh, there that they have over 1,500 openings uh, if you're interested in uh, being active duty in the uh, U.S. Air Force. Uh, you can get a role uh, there in cyber. Uh, she had mentioned that uh, there they'll put you through uh, all the training needed. And that training, though, is uh, in the government standards and inside of their uh, enlisted certifications, which are not the same as those private sector certifications. That's great to hear um, out at the port building that bridge between um, the enlisted certifications and the private sector certifications that, that those operators will need to function um, after their um, service for their country has, has ended. Uh, we've seen some of the similar things with uh, San Antonio here and all the military medicine. Um, same thing there. The uh, skilled medical practitioners inside the military, unless you get an MD, many of those certifications don't transfer out to the private sector, and, and they've been working on that as well over the last decade to make that an easier transition for the um, physician assistants and um, surgical assistants and all of those other um, roles and skills on the healthcare side. Right. And so because San Antonio has that unique advantage, you know, you have uh, an active workforce that's on the cutting edge in those two key fields. You know, in medicine, on the military medicine side, a lot of regenerative medicine that has some, you know, interesting biotech applications as well as just bioscience uh, in general. And then, of course, the cyber operators. Um, I, I'm seeing that more and more of those operators that have the cutting edge of the moment, uh, real world experience. Uh, are being captured, and hopefully we'll get to keep them here in San Antonio. I see a lot of efforts because there are people here in uh, in leadership positions that recognize that advantage that we have that's unique. Yeah, and so if, for those listening out here that have been in San Antonio for a long time and you're wondering where Port San Antonio may be, um, if you're familiar with the uh, Kelly Air Force Base, the one that that base closed down, Port San Antonio is – um, over there where the base was now, and there's uh, lots of advanced um, avionics things going on from a manufacturing and maintenance perspective over there, um, as well as all of the, the cybersecurity. And this is, as Iris had mentioned in the first half of the program, the spots where two industries uh, or two kind of technological areas meld together, there's a cyber aspect in, in much of this. Uh, so you've got avionics going on out there and cyber at the same time and this is where those combinations can create some real interesting entrepreneurship opportunities exactly so now if we go back to that september 2017 study about how cybersecurity can be an engine for growth the uh second key factor that a location should have is the ability to attract or develop a workforce and brett you can speak to that very easily because so many of your past programs have focused on efforts to develop the cyber workforce yeah and we've, we've got the cyber texas foundation here in san antonio that does a, an amazing job uh getting uh, some of the early childhood development efforts going uh, we've got the 
one of the top cyber patriot uh, cohorts in the whole nation. I think from a, a quantity perspective, only the greater Los Angeles metro has more cyber patriot teams. And if you're hearing these terms and don't know what they are, uh, please check out our website, www.cybertalkradio.com, um, and you can hear uh, we've had on folks from the Cyber Texas Foundation. We've had on some of the uh, high school and middle school coaches of some winning Cyber Patriot teams. Uh, but it's a cybersecurity team sport now uh, coming to your child's school. And if it's not there yet, please uh, encourage the administration to get one going because um, this is a, a great way kids can learn uh, competitive sports. Uh, but at the same time, they can learn competitive sports that apply towards a, a real future career that, um, unlike maybe the NFL or NBA, there's a few hundred job openings there. By the time uh, your middle schooler or high schooler graduates uh, from high school, there's going to be hundreds of thousands to millions of cybersecurity job openings. And to help uh, your listeners, if you're thinking about entering an IT or tech or cybersecurity or even a biotech or bioscience field and thinking, but I, I just don't have the time or the money to get a four-year degree or you know to get a specialized college degree, a lot of these jobs that are unfilled here in the greater Alamo area require specific certifications and training that can be obtained locally. So I would re definitely recommend that you look up the Alamo Workforce Commission website. They have a PDF file. The link is on their website. And when you look at their PDFs file, it's the list of the highest jobs that are in demand that have gone unfilled. It has the job the salary range, and then the um, training or certification that's required for that job because they're trying to encourage San Antonio uh, residents to apply for these jobs and to seek out those specified training resources that we have available now. Yeah, and this is one of the spots where uh, you'd mentioned before there's 1,700 security analyst roles that did not get filled in San Antonio last year. So if you uh, do have some of those cyber skills or do want to go obtain them, um, there's a, a queue of job opportunities here waiting for you. Great. And so now we're going back to that cybersecurity as a ninja for growth study, right? And so the third critical factor that a location needs uh, in order to be able to leverage cybersecurity for uh continued job growth is research centers and incubators because they provide that much needed capacity to help develop that talent and create and develop uh, intellectual property. So right now, I mean, I, I would be remiss if I were not to mention Geekdom as the first one because we're sitting in an office in the Geekdom building, which is in the Rand building on Houston Street. And Geekdom was created as a co-working space. And it's become much more than that because you have this very vibrant community of entrepreneurs that work in the same space but share ideas, collaborate, encourage each other. And there's a lot of resources that Geekdom provides these people, including um, a specialized space such as the, the Do Lab. And it's got all this specialized equipment from 3D printing to lasers to, to you name it, uh, a mainframe server. So if you have an idea and you're trying to develop a prototype for your new app, new business concept, you can go in there and use some of those resources. So Geekdom now is uh, over a thousand members, and this is a, a one as you were talking with some folks on Facebook a little bit um, as we were heading in to do this interview, uh, that 
it's San Antonio, still small town, big city. Uh, you'll hear that around here quite a bit. But uh, it's one, come down and to meet people in person and interact in person. Some of our, our virtual communities may not be as strong as uh, they need to be, but this is where um, these different centers of gravity, uh, whether it's Port San Antonio for things going on with government cyber or uh, Geekdom for uh, tech startups, uh, this critical mass makes a difference. And um, I think folks in San Antonio will say this is a, a drawback for us, but this is something that you'll see everywhere, that it requires that real uh, center of gravity and critical mass. Uh, from that cyber study you mentioned, though, is it talked that you need a research center. So this is, I mean, as I'm hearing that, it's really where UTSA plays into this with the, the top-ranked um, cybersecurity uh, programs going on uh, as you compared to all of the universities all across the world. Um, there's all sorts of great things, whether it's on the, the policy side of research through to the hands-on technical uh, and maybe the cloud computing and cyber research that they're doing there as well. Uh, but uh, every one of our universities here in San Antonio is now a, a, an NSA and DHS uh, certified center of excellence. Uh, so uh, lots of, of that research work going on across there. And it sounds like we have all the ingredients uh, to really drive cyber as a growth engine over the next decade. I would think so. I think that we're poised uh, and that we're well positioned with all of these unique tech and uh, bioscience assets uh, to emerge as a powerhouse. And it's just a matter of time, more resources, and new players as people come and join uh, the community. And so with um, the research centers, I would also want to mention the uh, Cyber Accelerator, uh, also here in the Rand Building, you know, Bill Sec Foundry, which you've had Will Garrett on your show, uh, as well as a new one that is being built as we speak. So we've talked about the port, we've talked about downtown tech corridor along Houston Street and uh, surrounding areas. Then I think you're going to see in the next couple of years new centers of innovation that uh, are already, the plans are already in the works. You have Capture RX, which I mentioned in the first half of the show. They'll be going into the light building and they'll be part of that revitalization of that Broadway corridor. And I think that's going to attract more talent uh, and more spaces for people with new companies, new ideas. Uh, you're also going to see at the Merchant Ice Complex, um, TRTF. So if you don't know what that stands for, it's Texas Research and Technology Foundation. Uh, they've been around for a while, but they have re-energized with a new strategic direction that's been fueled by property pr um, being sold that they had. And so now it's freed them up to really pursue uh, an imaginative and innovative approach to boosting that growth with uh, an incubator and accelerator space, specialized wet lab spaces, uh, you name it, that's going to go into that new uh, complex that's being built over on what I like to call Houston Street Plus. Yeah, so the... The Dignity Hill area or the, the east side of uh, downtown. Right. So if you, you get um, in that general vicinity of the Alamo Dome, and that area of, of town is, is uh, transforming uh, pretty rapidly. If you um, haven't been downtown uh, in a while and maybe you, you've come down to the Pearl and you've seen what's happened in the Pearl over the last decade as that just continues to grow and evolve, I think we're going to see a pretty similar transformation of that near east side uh, over there by the Alamo Dome and this facility with the TRTF iris. Did you write an article about this one? Several. Several, yeah. So this this is a really big deal. 
uh, this is is one with is it it tens of millions of dollars of capital investment going into to build this out, right? It's it's very well funded. It's yes. very well resourced, and they are going to go big. They have Lake Flato, who's designing the uh, the plan for the for the site. And the if you think about, well, okay, so why should we be getting excited about it? And it's because the leadership is going to go after the latest uh, innovators working in the IoT, cyber, and bioscience fields. And we have those resources already in place so that they have a, a soft landing here. Um, already, Jorge Varela, the uh, director of Velocity TX, that's the accelerator under TRTF, they are already putting into place multiple partnerships with countries such as India and Brazil uh, to identify promising innovations, promising technologies, promising bioscience advances, and bring them to San Antonio for that soft landing. And this way, it's going to help fuel that entrepreneur space here. And I think it's going to benefit to the city overall. Yeah, so this uh, sounds like as we've what we've got going on um, out on the west side of town with Port San Antonio, up on the northwest at UTSA from a research perspective. Now um, downtown with Geekdom on that east side of downtown uh, with this uh, new uh, TRTF. Do they have a name for this place yet? I mean, is it just the merchandise complex? So it used to be this thing. This this is just I mean, old industry getting transformed into new. So that merchandise complex used to be the the place like a literal ice uh, shipping for pre refrigeration days. Um, is what I th- or is that building from something else? Do you know? Uh, I think that's what it's from. But you know, their concept is to come up with a mixed use live play work place, much like the Pearl is now. Yeah. And so if you think about it, uh, if someone had told you 11 years ago, you see that that derelict place there off of Broadway, um, that's going to be a vibrant, exciting place to live and to start new businesses and to go after work. And what are you going to say? No, I can't possibly imagine it. So TRTF has that same kind of uh, bold vision for that location at the Merchant Ice Complex. So where the Pearl centered around the Culinary Institute of America to build a community around that culinary arts, here TRTF is going to build around uh, Internet of Things, uh, biotech, and cyber. Correct. So, uh, yeah, if you're in those areas and thinking about this, or if you're listening to this and you happen to be an investor wondering... uh, if there's going to be ways to deploy capital in San Antonio, are, are there going to be enough opportunities to invest in? Uh, if you're not seeing and finding some of those now, uh, it sounds like through the next few years, there's going to be uh, many more as uh, you'll have these different spots you can stop into in town and see uh, a cluster of companies, uh, whether it's at a startup weekend here uh, in Geekdom or whether it's going to be a, more of a long-term research or cyber research in uh, BuildSec Foundry or uh, over there at the TRTF facility coming online. And uh, before we finish our time together, I wanted to just highlight briefly the fourth critical factor that a location should have to uh, use cybersecurity as an engine for growth, industry leadership that will help focus development programs. And I think you're seeing that. I mean, you're, you're going to see a lot of really interesting, um, innovative approaches from 
the city leadership because I know that there's a lot of things that they're doing because they recognize all of the unique advantages that the city has and they want to see San Antonio be that engine for growth. So the study concludes with some basic recommendations. Uh, they say that you should think about partnering with the private sector and local nonprofits. I think we see a lot of that already. To be creative and to develop programs that are customized to a specific area. We've done that and I think we're continuing to do that. Develop those connections between the military and government units with local talent and companies. Yes, we can check that off. And then facilitate the local placement of national government cybersecurity capacities, which is a fancy way of saying make sure you keep that talent and they don't leave the city. Yeah. And uh, this is one uh, where San Antonio has got that big advantage as a uh, military city USA, we'll call ourselves. And we get folks that come back here to uh, retire because uh, everyone in the Air Force gets to experience San Antonio for, is it, was it six or eight weeks? Yeah, if you're going to enlist in the Air Force, you're going to come spend a little bit of time here in the city. So, so Brett, you know, I'd like to take this opportunity and turn the tables. And this is the risk you run when you invite a journalist onto your show. Yes. You've been doing this show now for 13 months. I think it's like 56, 57 shows. This is going to be number 58. There you go. Has anything surprised you in the last year of doing this show? Yeah, so I think the the most interesting thing to me coming from uh, being a, a private sector uh, cybersecurity company uh, was the uh, amount of different cybersecurity education initiatives uh, going on in this San Antonio area. Uh, from a private sector talent pipeline, um, we have an experienced team at my company. We've got a, a lot of long-standing industry relationships, so hiring has not been uh, much of a challenge for us at all. Uh, that the other folks that are looking to hire a much larger volume, uh, if you win a contract out there and you're trying to ramp up 100 folks um, in a 90-day period so you can service that contract, um, those folks have been able to do that in San Antonio because of uh, a large number of uh, all these initiatives going on, uh, whether it is the fact that every one of our universities here has gone through the NSA and DHS certification, uh, just uh, all the way down into uh, the Cyber Patriot programs and the IT certification programs coming out of our, our middle schools and high schools. There's kids getting a Network Plus in eighth grade now. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I suspect neither one of us are going to suffer for a lack of cybersecurity topics to write about or experts to interview. Wow. Thank you very much for joining us this week, Iris. And uh, it was a pleasure talking with you. And if you'd like to read things that Iris has written about, uh, please go to the Rivard Report. Uh, if you enjoy what you do read there, please donate. They are a, a nonprofit, and uh, your donations, uh, just like Texas Public Radio and some of those others, are the only way that those things uh, stay live and on the air or um, you get to read uh, on that cell phone that is one of those top tech trends. <laughs>